0: Mac Jones is ripped. Matt Patricia is calling plays. The Celtics are title favorites. And the Ringer has a new Boston show. I'm Brian Barrett, host of Off the Pike, the show covering all things Boston sports. I'll have shows multiple times a week covering your favorite teams and with your favorite Ringer and local guests. Plus, maybe Bill will stop by to rant about the Sox. Follow Off the Pike with me, Brian Barrett, now on Spotify.
1: It's the Ringer Gambling Show, presented by Fandle.
0: See website for details.
1: Welcome into the Ringer Gambling Show. Austin Gale here with Raheem Palmer. No JJ today, but I know you were with him in Vegas. You're out here in Vegas getting massages, I heard. You're living the dream, smoking cigars on rooftops. It sounds like quite the trip.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm out here working a little bit. I was, you know, signing (laughs) up for the different football contests. Hanging out, you know, it's two big football contests in Vegas. And, I mean, look, if you're a a handicapper, a football fan, you got to sign up for them. So I went ahead and did that. And then I met up with JJ last night. We went to Carbone. We had some dinner. I mean, it was absolutely amazing. Shouts to my guy, Arthur. Shouts to my guy, James. They came along with us. So we had a great time last night fantastic happy for you as much as i am jealous of you cuz vegas is is a
1: spirit city of mine i'm a huge fan of it and carbone is phenomenal restaurant if any of you guys make it out to vegas betting or not this podcast you know we were talking to some of the producers and, and you know they said that there's a lot of opportunity in talking about how to bet the nfl and i think it's it's super important because obviously such a gross amount, not gross, gross is in the large, not gross is in nasty, such a gross amount of betting content is, is picks, right? It's it's talking about this is where I'm leaning on a parlay, a teaser, a player prop, a first half line. And oftentimes for you know the standard better, or the average better, a lot of that kind of goes over their head and they're just looking for a side to bet or a total to bet or whatever it is. And I think it's important too, before we get into things like line movement, line shopping, buying points, live betting and props and all that stuff, is to talk about. There aren't two types of betters, but there is a line in the sand. There's a line in the sand for the advanced bettor. And to me, and I mentioned your opinion of this too, there's a line in the sand for those who model and those who don't. If you are not modeling in the NFL, or you're not modeling for spread and modeling for, when I say modeling, it's you know, building your own models to predict future outcomes of NFL games and specifically bet sides and totals. And sometimes people have models for player props and those things. And it's not that dissimilar to if you play Daily Fantasy or DFS, there are people that optimize lineups and churn out you know 50 lineups per contest to maximize for efficiency and maximize for wins. And then there are people who are like, oh, I kind of want to throw a DFS lineup together and throw that out. That's the same line in the sand that there is in betting in terms of those who model and blindly bet a model or near blindly bet a model. Those are your Warren Sharps. I know Raheem, you do some modeling as well. Those are guys that are Removing a lot of the bias out of betting, and betting has a lot of bias. It's why we talk about not betting overs because you know it, it goes against human interest and human ambition and and all these things. So modeling removes this bias and also maximizes for efficiency and oftentimes leads to these significant betters, these guys that are full time betting, don't even you know like a Warren Sharp type and that's offering these types of analysis that are hitting these fifty six to fifty eight percent edges in the NFL versus the average bettor. Which obviously there are more average bettors than there are those who are working in R or Python or even just significant Excel concepts to build out models, these average bettors are trying to identify picks through podcast analysis or written analysis and and pick up picks from their friends and enjoy the game. So I I do think it's important to call that out as we talk about how to bet the NFL and also to have this mindset of if you're going in and you're not going to model, you have to enter with almost like a lower base expectation for how successful you're going to be. Like entering without modeling in the NFL and trying to get 60, 65% edges while you're betting like. Parlays and things like that—it's just not that possible. Am I wrong? Is that the wrong read? I don't want to try to draw that big line in the sand. But is um, that the wrong read?
2: I, I think there's ways to be successful without modeling. Um, look, there's some math. I'm gonna—I'm gonna be totally honest with you. Like I'm—I model the NFL, but I don't use model as the whole thing. Like it's not the whole picture. It's just one part of it. I think there's some math guys out here who don't know anything about football, like. Mm-hmm. You know, you could take the Roger Mayweather quote about boxing and you could apply that to football when it comes to some of these math guys. And I don't think you can solely play anything based on the math. Like, I look at somebody like Warren Sharp. Warren Sharp knows football. You know, he knows, you know, 12 personnel and and 13 personnel and, you know, which coverage these guys are playing. And I think he knows injuries. I think you have to be able to balance that, too, and actually handicap the game. And that'll allow you to know the limitations of your model. Because you know, there's a quote in statistics. All models are useless. No, all models are wrong. Some are useful. And you have to know the limitations of your model because sometimes your model is going to spit out a number. and You're you looking at the game. You handicap the game. It's like that doesn't make any sense. So I believe that, you know, there's, there's ways to handicap the game to where you might not even need a model, especially in the NFL when it comes to the NFL betting market The NFL betting market is the one sport in which the public has the say the public Mm -hmm. is going to create those inefficiencies in the market because the public is just I mean, they're just like I'm just being honest is the public isn't that smart. So they're going to create those inefficiencies and there's going to be opportunities to be able to just, you know, fade the public and profit. But then also, I just think to me, handicapping trumps all Um, how is um, how is this injury going to impact this team? You know, sometimes, like, you look at the Dallas Cowboys. The Tyron Smith injury could change any, everything. I mean, we've seen games where Tyron Smith is going out, I say, an hour for the game. And then you have all types of sharp groups betting the other team. So, mm-hmm. it's not just modeling. It's everything. Like, modeling is just one piece of the puzzle. But it's like I always say, it's kind of like a boxer. You know, mm-hmm. like, look at Floyd Mayweather. Floyd Mayweather has the Philly shell, but he's not using the Philly shell against every opponent. If he's facing the Southpaw, he might have to use the high guard. So you got to have different tools in your toolbox.
1: I guess, you know, I think that's probably the best way of framing it. Maybe it's not so much a line in the sand as it is an edge, right? It is an edge to model and have that mathematical sense. It can put you in situations where you're identifying bets that maybe your bias or your intuition wouldn't bet immediately after knowing the game. And I think handicapping. Off of injuries and handicapping off of, you know, changes in situation. I think the other edge in betting is time. It's just like in season long football, season long fantasy football in that, you know, you know what the biggest edge is in season long fantasy football, in addition to maybe some modeling and projection based, you know, math is having the time to scour the waiver wires and read depth charts and read injury reports and do those things. So I do think that the more time you're investing in betting is also going to help You know, I'd help you identify some of those handicap opportunities and some of those, you know, fade the public opportunities. And that gets into line shopping as well and seeing how different lines are affected based on some of these injuries and stuff like that. So let's get into to start. And I I really do appreciate that kind of background on your modeling and kind of how you view it. Line movement, right? Something that we talk about probably every single podcast is that, man, this line is moving this way. That, you know, is a sign that a lot of sharp money is driving that. What drives line movement is money. When money is being bet on a side, you are going to see, or that's the, one of the primary reasons, you're going to see a line move from, say, minus three, Browns favored by three, to the Browns favored by six. Say, you know, an injury on the other side happens or whatever it may be, and that drives a lot of money in one direction. What's really important for me, the, the, the thing about movement that matters the most, especially when betting totals and sides in the regular season of the NFL, is betting early. There's multiple analyses ha- that have been written about how much closing line value you can pick up by betting early in the week because the lines will open at X and shift significantly based on either public or sharp money as injuries become more detailed than those things. So line movement, and that's even betting earlier in the previous week, right? That's betting week two games in week one. That's betting week three games in week two. That way you're you're trying to leverage your intuition, the football understanding that you have, and maybe even some of your mathematical modeling to have edges before everyone catches up, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, betting early is key. I mean, when you're looking at you know, Sunday, Sunday, while the the while the Sunday night game is on, you're often getting certain books to open lines for the following week. And I mean, look, the limits aren't as high, but I mean, when you you can pick off some bad numbers on Sunday. Um, and you know, part of it is, I mean, we you spoke about line shopping, but you really need to have multiple books. I mean, like you need to have multiple sports books accounts. You need to have like. So, I mean, not only can you line shop, but it allows you to get down more. So, it's just Mm -hmm. like you need to be kind of just, look, on Monday morning after that slate of NFL games, lines are moving heavy. And some of those lines are never coming back, like straight up. So, it's just you need to be picking off some of those bad numbers at that time. Um, And then, I mean, a lot of it is you can come back on the other side if you're into, like, arbitrage or or middling. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, betting early is just key. So in, so, when you say line shopping, you kind of like break that down
1: even simpler to people maybe who aren't consistently betting is that's having multiple sports books and looking on a Sunday, mm-hmm. looking on a Monday, specifically betting in early in the week. So you're getting the best of that line, the least efficient piece of that line, and you're looking at multiple sports book to see where they have it. You're looking at X sports book and see the Browns favored by three, and then you see another one that you see it at two and a half, and that is a significant piece. And that gets into another conversation on key numbers. Key numbers exist in the NFL and in the regular season that is three. Mm-hmm. And that is seven. The reason those numbers are key. So, seeing a team go from favored by three to favored by three and a half, or a team go from six and a half to seven, the reason that those are key is such a high probability or a high percentage of game outcomes, it, 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 it improportionally land on three and seven. You know, so it's not. Yeah. You no, know, it's not. Not all outcomes are equal. Twenty-six versus twenty-seven is not, or um, a win by so, six so, versus s- a win by seven is not equally proportionate in the distribution of outcomes in games. That might have been too mathematical, but you get what I'm saying.
2: Yeah, I mean, to be sp- specific, games land on three fifteen percent of the time. I mean, you you landed on 7 about 7% of the time. You land on 6 about 6, 6, 7% of the time. So, look, I mean, those key numbers are very important. And, and then when you look at the totals, I mean, over the last seven years, 51 has landed pretty highly. Then 40, 44, 41. Those are the highest key numbers in NFL totals. So it's like when it comes to actually sides, I mean... You have three, four, six, seven, ten, and fourteen. Those are your key numbers in the NFL. And look, when it comes to key numbers, that leads us into a discussion about buying points mm-hmm. because it's really only worth it to buy key number buy points onto key numbers. So that's from two and a half to the three. That's from you know buying buying off the the three and a half to three, but only if you could get it at a cheap price. So. You really only be want, You really only want to pay ten cents to buy onto the three or buy onto the seven. Um, at fifteen cents, it's priced pretty fairly. If you're, playing, if you're paying twenty cents, you're not getting any value on it. You're actually overpaying for it. So those are the only times that you really want to buy points onto those key numbers. But you got to be able to find it at a cheap market. And that goes that that goes back to having multiple sportsbooks. You want to be able to have multiple sports books so you can line shop. Um, there's just going to be certain books that are going to allow you to to get it at ten cents. At fifteen cents, you kind of you you're paying a little bit more. And, and two things off of that too. One,
1: you know, with that key number key numbers conversation, the biggest, the, the most important thing there is that you're know, focusing on key numbers and knowing that not every not every line movement is equal. Four to four and a half yeah. is not as big of a jump from three to three and a half. And when you see line movement maybe going from four to four and a half. That's not always going to be as significant as some money, you know, handle being added to that line is say going from three to three and a half. The other piece of that, when you say buying points, just to kind of like explain that further, when you say buy 10 cents, that's going from minus 110 to minus 120, right? Like that's taking yes. that's taking a side. So say, say the line is set at minus two and a half, and you want to take it to minus three. Buying that at 10 cents, so getting from minus one ten to minus one twenty, is where you'd be leaning rather than you know going out from minus one ten to minus one thirty, which would be that twenty cents buy-in.
2: Uh, with buying and, points, and, just, are, and just and just and just to be specific for you guys, your break-even rate at minus one ten is fifty-two point three eight percent. I mean, when you're at what is it minus one twenty, I think you're at almost fifty-four percent at that point. So buying those points is going to affect your bottom line like over the course of the season. And it's just like, look, I mean, you'd never want to be buying like. There's going to be people who are going to come out and buy a, a half point from five and a half to five, and Mm -hmm. all you're doing is just wasting money or just buying a half point from a favorite down from nine and a half to nine. I mean, there's going to be a time where you're going to lose as a nine and a half point favorite because they won by nine, but it's not common enough to buy points. And I think that's what the public needs to understand
1: buy points around key numbers again that's three and then that's seven and then also tease into key numbers and that gets into this other conversation around teasing teasing on books is where you can take two lines usually two spreads there are some people who tease
2: totals and maybe you can talk more about that I'm not I don't tease a lot of totals but teasing- you should, we shouldn't you should not be teasing totals under <laughs> any circumstances and you should not be you should not be teasing anything in college football or basketball at all so mm-hmm. like Teasers are specifically designed to beat in the NFL. That's the only sport in which you should be teasing. I mean, look, I wrote about this when it comes to, you know, how to bet the NBA. Do not tease basketball at all. There's hundreds, there's a hundred possessions in an NBA game. Teasing an NBA game, two possessions is not going to help. you. There may be seven or eight NFL possessions. So if you're teasing six points, you got some value. So to
1: play on why people do like teasing you know, college football and do like teasing even not through key numbers is because so to explain what teasing is in the nfl specifically and even in college football it's the same point spread you're buying six mm-hmm. points on a side that you like so say you like the bills that are favored by six over the ravens teasing that line down to zero essentially makes it a pick'em and you're saying wow that's me guaranteeing that the bills will win and then you have to apply that other six point side the other leg of that teaser to say the Browns are six point dogs against the Steelers and you like them to potentially, you know, you know, win that game. You can tease them down to zero. So that way, or out out to 12. And that gives you more points in that regard. So what you're doing is it, it takes it to a parlay bet to minus minus one twenty. When normally if you parlay that bet at the same spread that's being offered, it's going to be more significant and kind of worse odds and all that stuff. So, Teasing, I do think, is is interesting by people because they're like, oh my God, I love this line. I love this line. And even regardless of the key numbers, they see six points change. They're like, man, this makes so much sense. Of course, they're going to win this game. And people end up doing the red flags and teasing, which is, again, teasing totals, teasing college football, teasing basketball. And then the other thing, teasing through zero and teasing not through key numbers. Because the six points, just like half points, are not all created equal. Going from a favorite by 14 to 20, you know, to, to set to eight, is not as big as going from a favorite of six to zero, knowing the percentage of outcomes of games that happen on either three, six, or seven.
2: Yeah, I, and that, that's major. I think the one thing people have to understand is that when it comes to teasers, each leg has to break seven, break, each leg has to win 72.3% of the time for you to break even. Now, if you look back, how a lot of pros play teasers is they play Stanford Wong teasers. Back in 2001, there's a book called Sharp Sports Betting. Um, he actually dropped a new version in 2009. It was updated, and he they call him Wong Teaser. So you're looking to play two team six point teasers in games with a total of 49 or less. You're looking to tease home favorites of seven and a half, eight, eight and a half, and nine points down. You're looking to tease home underdogs of one, one and a half, two, or two and a half points up. Um, and you're looking to tease row underdogs of one, one and a half, two, or two and a half points up. All of those are going to get you through two key numbers. And I think that's big. You're crossing out two key numbers. And with that total being under 49 or less, you teasing that up, you're getting two key numbers. And mm-hmm. um, like you're, you're putting yourself in a position to where more often than not, you're going to break even over the 72.3% needed for you to to, to to break even. So um, that, those are some rules when it comes to, to Wong teasers. Yeah. Now, I think with some of the, the games being a little bit more high scoring, I do think some of those rules are changing. So I, I am a little bit more liberal with those rules now. Um, you know, they say you shouldn't really be teasing um, road favorites of six or more. Um, that's where, you know, a lot of people get called up. But, I mean, I think there's some ones week one where like you look at the Baltimore Ravens, um, against the Jets, um, or you look at the San Francisco 49ers, um, they're laying, you know, six and a half, um, against the bears. Those are going to be two teaser candidates that they don't, they go against the Stanford Wong rules, but you're going to have some people putting those in a teaser just because it's just, you know, sometimes there's a mismatch there and, um, I'm not mad at it. So I think you could be a little bit more liberal these days. Um, Especially, you know, I think sometimes the gap between these teams um, isn't accurately priced. Um, and then with the higher scoring, uh, it's like you kind of got to be a little bit more liberal. Um, you kind of got to be a little bit more flexible with things. So
1: that's a lot. I can tell that people are like, man, Teaser is going through two key numbers, all that stuff. Maybe that's buzzing your head. I'm going to give you an example. One, to say what two, the two key numbers again, three and seven. The three and seven, mm-hmm. you want to cro- buy six points that get you through the three and through the seven. Examples would be, there is a home dog. There's a home dog. It's the Ravens. They're two and a half point dogs, two and a half point dogs. If you lo- use them in a teaser leg, you will get them through the three out to, and through the seven out to eight and a half. You're buying those six points to get through the three and get through the seven. You're buying so much probability. That is like a, let's say the book teaser leg. like let's freaking go. I'm all about it. Then if there is a road favorite, say the Bills by eight, if you tease them down to two, you take you buy those six points to get them down to a two-point favorite. That's getting through the seven, and that getting through the three. Now it's not that simple. Books know what those books know that any team favored by eight is going to be a prime teaser opportunity if they're at home. Yeah. Any team that's a that's a a, um, a road a home dog that's in in that two and a half territory that's a prime teaser league, and they're going to be moving around those numbers as well. But those are those yeah. buy the book teasers that oftentimes you'll see pros like sprint to. It's like oh my god, that's the teaser league this week, and you know you'll listen yeah, to some and- betting podcasts.
2: And you actually hinted on something that a lot of books do. Um, you know, you'll see like a, a book go from eight and a half to nine or eight to nine, and you or they'll try to move it up to ten to get that kind of teaser protection going on. Yes. That's what they yes. call it. Teaser protection. Yes. Because they they already know that look, if this this number drops, we're gonna get a ton of teaser liability. Mm-hmm. You're gonna get a ton of those money line parlays. Yeah. So let's move that number up. Let's inflate it a bit. So you do see that quite often. Um, I think one teaser leg option I do like for week one. Um, Let's go. <laughs> the, the, the Browns are at, I mean, I think you can find them at two and a half, two, one and a half. I like that teaser leg there. I think you can tease that up and cross those key numbers. Um, They're on the road against the Carolina Panthers, but I think that's a close game. I mean, you're looking at a total of 41 and a half. Um, you tease that up from one and a half to two and a half. I mean, this numbers all up, up across the board mm-hmm. here. Um, You tease that up. You're getting at through key numbers, so if if
1: you're looking to tease in the NFL, last thing I'll say on it is just make sure you're looking for those twos and eights. No, you're looking for those seven and a halfs, even in those one and a halfs. That's those are the numbers you are looking for. And when you mentioned that teaser protection, let's let's think about why. Why is that called teaser protection? If they go out to nine and you buy your six points down to three, you don't get through that key number. You're on it, and um, it, obviously you have an opportunity for a push there. But like you're not getting through it. It's not important to get to it. It's important to get through it if you're getting through a three or through a seven. You you mentioned something that I didn't think we had in our list initially, but I'd be interested in your perspective on how you bet money lines because I do think that the average better will see a minus one or a minus one and a half sometimes or like a tight line where they feel that um, the money line might make more sense. That's where I think more common money lines are bet. Where where are you? When are you placing money on money lines?
2: Um, for me, I like to if I if I like a dog for a game, I like to. A lot of times, I might I like to sprinkle a little bit on the money. So okay. you guys have heard me talk a lot about the Giants in Week One. I got to sprinkle a little bit on the Giants, you know. Like to me, if I like the Giants Week One, at it, six and a half, and you know, I think that that's come down to five and a half in some spots. I mean, just five and a half, six. I got to sprinkle a small percentage of my wager on the on the Giants, and at, mm-hmm. at, at like I, I just think you you're getting ex- positive expected value. So if, if the line is if the actual side is is mispriced. I think the the money line is correlated to that, so that's got to be mm-hmm. mispriced too. Um, so that's one way I play money lines. Um, I'm not really the type of guy who's going to be playing money lines. Like you look at the Baltimore Ravens, I'm not going to be laying minus three hundred with the Baltimore Ravens. That's yeah. out of the question. Um yeah. So I, I wouldn't recommend doing that. I mean, there's some guys who're going to do that, and then you know play a money line parlay. Um, I, I'm not really doing that too much, but I do think there's spots where. I can you get you can get some value doing that versus a teaser. Um, mm-hmm. if, uh, I think you know one thing with teasers is that you know with six point teasers is that you really want to find one ten as opposed to one twenty. Um, a lot of books are offering like a lot of books on the East Coast. I mean, it's it's bad now. They're offering one thirty on six point teasers, which is Yikes. I mean, I, yes, yeah, pretty much out of the question. So um, I think sometimes you can find a little value on you know playing those money line favorites. Um, and, and trying to get a better number as opposed to the six point teaser, so you want to you want to play with that a little bit. But then when it comes, I think the questions you asked specifically as far as like one versus two, I mean, obviously, I mean, those aren't key numbers, but that's where I use my model as a baseline.
1: Mm-hmm. So I'm
2: I'm 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 trying to figure out, you know, what percentage is this time is is this team going to win this game? Or you know, I, I tend to be a little bit more conservative, so I'll tend to grab the points there. But it, yeah. I mean, if it's one, I mean, a lot of times I like to get the plus money, just because it's just it, you're you're going from laying minus one ten, sometimes plus one ten. So I and, tend and, to like to roll with that.
1: And to clarify, because we've been on multiple podcasts now, and there's definitely bat bets, whether they're futures or mm-hmm. week one bets, that you're you're backing, right? This is a play for you. This is a bet that you're backing, and you're sprinkling, you know, or you mm-hmm. you're, you have a unit on that, right? Or when you yeah. say you're sprinkling on something is that half unit usually. And when I say unit, you know, for betters, that's your average yeah. bet size. So if you, if you on average bet $5 a bet, your unit size is $5. So I'm not going to ask what your unit size is, but when you have a bet that you like, you know, what are, are you putting a unit on that? And then when you say, let's, I am going to sprinkle a little bit on the money line, is that normally half unit 0.25 where you, what, what's your thought there?
2: It, I mean, like for me, it's like, if I, if, so if, if I have one unit on, let's say if I have one unit on the Giants, I might have um like 25% or 20% yeah. on the, the Giants. I mean, but it, like there's times, I'm not going to lie to you, there's times where, you know, I might really, really, really like the dog and mm-hmm. I might move that up to a half a unit. Okay. You know, or I might just say, you know what, give me the side for a unit and a half, and then give me the money line for a half.
0: This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth, plus view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes
1: So to bring that to to bring that to a literal example, and let's use the five dollar bet size. That's 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 me. That's you know that's your average Joe. That's a little scared to to break out the paper. Doesn't want to tell the wife that they're sweating a you know a million dollar bet anytime soon. If I like the Giants, I'm putting a unit on them at plus six, and maybe a sprinkle at two two dollars and fifty cents. So I'm putting five dollars at plus six, and then two dollars and fifty cents uh, on the money line. That's that that sprinkle. Opportunity, because I do think the word "spring" oh, is used No, a lot.
2: <laughs> no. So, so what I'm saying is, like, if you have five dollars, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm I'm probably putting, you know, a say a dollar on, because it's, it's easier for me to, to speak in, in ones. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I'm, putting a, I'm putting, I'm putting, I'm putting a dollar on the Giants, and I'm putting a quarter on <laughs> on the Giants money line.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. But it's like, spr- I mean,
2: and if I if I really like it. I may go a dollar fifty on the Giants and then fifty cent on the Giants money line.
1: So that would essentially be a unit and a half. Gotcha. And I think that yeah. it, it's it's good to bring up because I do think we use sprinkle a lot, maybe nonchalantly in the betting space. JJ will say I might throw a little sprinkle on that, and I think it's important to kind of qualify. Like, okay, what the fuck does that mean? Um, yeah. Other other things I want to get to here. I, I want to say parlays for the end. Because I, I think parlays, there's a lot of heated conversation around parlays. So before we get to parlays, I was going to bring up value on more non-traditional bets. And when I say non-traditional, the traditional bets are sides, totals, and money line. That's the most common bet. You know, that's the most common bets in the NFL. Non-traditional would be player props. That's you know over unders for mm. quarterbacks. That's quarterback passing yards. That's yes no interception props. You'll see like line set at you know Daniel Jones interceptions at a half. And then you'll like it'll be like minus one ten he throws one plus two twenty he throws doesn't throw one that kind of stuff and then the other non traditional bets being like a first quarter spread you know first quarter um, money line you can oftentimes bet those how often are you betting those specifically and are what are there bigger edges in those because there's less handle right are there bigger edges in props and non traditional bets like first quarter total and first half spread because they're not as beat into efficiency. When I say that, I mean, they're not as bet so much to where the lines are beaten down into where the public is 50 50.
2: What's your thought process there? Okay. When it comes to props, that's not something I actually do um, Mm -hmm. other than the Super Bowl, I think the props market is probably the easiest market to beat. um, And it's also the market that'll get you limited very quickly. So, Mm -hmm. and it's also a market that it doesn't take as much. I mean, obviously the limits aren't as high. So um, I think if you're doing this like on a really high level and you want to bet a lot of money, props aren't way, aren't the way to go. But if you're trying to build a bankroll and you're starting off, I mean, I think the props market is not nearly as efficient as size and totals. So mm-hmm. if you're just starting out um, and you're really just trying to build, I do think props are the way to go. Me, that's not something I've ever really done just because I, when I got into this, I got into size and totals. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's like that's kind of just like for me, I think it's important when you're betting to find your niche and my niche is size and total. So I kind of just stick with that.
1: Um, I, I will now, say I, to just talk about props for a second because props aren't something that I often bet, but I do like to bet yeah. them because I know the markets are inefficient. And when we talked yeah. about the top, when I talked about the top, about like modeling and the edge that that gives you, if there's any, mm. if there's any part of betting in the NFL where time gives you an edge, it's props. Because if you are line yeah. shopping, I think that's the most critical, line shopping props where you can see One book will have Alvin Kamara's rushing total at 45 and a half yards. Another book will have it like 65 and a half. There's so much inefficiency in the market that you can get like crazy lines depending on what you're backing. There are models to, you know, prop betting. I know uh, a friend of mine that is a, like a a professional better that blindly bets shots on goal in the NHL for every player prop. And his, when we, you mentioned limits. So limits are when a book identifies you as this, Really, really successful better, maybe in the specific market like props, they'll say your maximum bet on a, say, shots on goal prop in the NHL will go from 500 bucks to 50. So you're like spreading your bankroll across different books, trying to like maximize what your model is suggesting and kind of your intuition in that. So props, you will get limited if you are hyper successful. But what does that tell you as an average better? There's opportunity and there's a lot of opportunity in props if you are just starting out. I agree. I think it's a a fun way to like get into sports betting because there's this opportunity to line shop a bit and there's less of. efficient market so i would suggest it to people who are looking to get into some of these habits right of looking for key numbers of line shopping of identifying price points and i think that there's opportunity and props is it like you said a way to make a ton of money and and clear cut edges probably not especially with the limit sizing and stuff like that but definitely a fun start how about those first cap first quarter first half i know we you and i were putting some units on first half spreads and first half team totals in the preseason it was actually pretty lucrative
2: yeah, I mean, I think I mean obviously the preseason is a little bit different because you have different quarterbacks playing, um, you have different lineups playing um half to half and quarter to quarter. So you find those edges there. Now for the regular season market, obviously the quarters and the halves are correlated with the full game. Um now there's some there's certain times where you think, you know, this team is gonna come out to a, a strong start, or you have certain teams who they're not a first-half team, and maybe you want to fade them. Um, You know, I'm really big on first-half totals. I love first-half totals. Um, And a lot of times, I'm actually splitting my bet full game in first half. Um, You know, like, I might like an over and say, you know what, I want the first half over as well because those are correlated. So it's just another way to get down. And then also, I mean, look, I really love first-half unders because in the NFL, we all know, like, the fourth quarter, I mean, it's balls to the walls. I mean, mm-hmm. like you got certain teams to, if they're down, they're gonna be throwing all the time. So a game could start off slow, um, and there might not be b- many points in the first half, but in the second half, they might a team might be behind, and they're just throwing it. So yeah, I like to play a lot of first half unders. I mean, first half under is probably you know one of my favorite bets um, to make during the NFL season. So I'm playing. I, I said, in addition to like the edge there is,
1: and I talked about the edge in these non-traditional bets. That's props, that's first quarter order, first quarter bets, first half bets. It, the edge is there because no one's betting it, right? It's a fewer amount of people are betting it, so the line is more inefficient, and there's more correlations to what you're looking, liking, all that stuff. It's also more fun. Mm. And I hate to bring that up in betting analysis, but it's more fun because there's validation. Mm. You're like, oh man, first quarter, yeah. I got I got Ravens first quarter over six and a half points. They score a touchdown. You're like cashing in. Then you're able to like, you know, I don't know. I, I do find that there is a lot of fun. And again, going back to just starting out, you know, everyone wants to flock to when they're first starting out betting to sides and totals and money lines and, and teasers and these things that are like way more efficient and, and books are actively, actively searching for ways to make sure they are efficient. Start your way with the first quarter, first half stuff and, and line shop a little bit because you are playing in the in the sandbox. Don't don't jump into the minefield just yet. Don't jump into the don't jump into the, the, the deep waters. Um, You know, stay on the beach a little bit and bet some of these things and, and gain some success and, and build a bankroll before maybe you're betting, you know, full game stuff and all that. Not to say that's not to say there's this giant wall you have to clear before you get to that point. Every, you can have fun whatever you're doing. But if you are looking to get into it seriously, and I think a lot of people who listen to this podcast probably are. I do think starting out there is smart. I, I, I think there's lower limit sizes and all that stuff, but it's smart to get an understanding of how to line shop, get an understanding of how to bet early in the week and really just like start to do some of your research on with player prop sets, looking at projections and snap counts and first quarter snap counts. And with the first quarter, first half stuff, I think the biggest thing I looked at is pass run rates and the opening game script and seeing what they, mm-hmm. you know, seeing how they approach games and how fast they like to start. That's no huddle stuff. I think that's all really good. A couple more things here and, and we'll jump off live betting. We haven't talked about a lot on, on the podcast I've been on so far, the episodes I've been on so far. Do you live bet? I know those are more inefficient markets, and you can't really li- – it's hard to line shop when you're live betting, especially if you're doing it mid-drive, but I know a lot of people do like to live bet second halves. Are, are you no, – Are you, you, actually, you, actually
2: can, you actually can line shop when it comes to live betting, and I think that's a big way to gain an edge because, I mean, I know for me, I oh. like on a Sunday afternoon, I'm keeping – all my sports book windows up. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the, one of the tricks that you can use to actually find out if a line is inefficient is look at where each sports book has their line price. Just Mm -hmm. look, just look at it. You're going to notice that every sports book is going to have something different. And occasionally, one is going to be so off that you're going to find an edge. So, like, I have a couple of different rules for, you know, live betting. I mean, the biggest thing that you want to do is you want to bet during commercial breaks and stoppages. That's, that's almost non-negotiable, and I think obviously. Say that again. I, I missed failed. it. What'd you say? Like bet what? Bet, do- bet during commercial breaks and stoppages. Only. Okay. Okay. And that's 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 not negotiable. Um, unless you're at the you're actual I, I I unless you're at the actual stadium. That's the only mm-hmm. time you know there's a because you have an edge there. That's, the biggest thing is that when you're watching on television, the issue is that there's a delay, so the mm-hmm. sports book is ahead of you. So. If you're watching one play, they're already on to the next play. Now, obviously, NFL has a lot more stoppages than NBA. So, the the NBA, I mean, by the time you watch Devin Booker um, hit a three, they're already – I mean, the other team has probably already scored. Um, But it's big to only bet during commercial breaks and stoppages because the the delay, it puts you behind the eight ball, And unless you're at the arena. If you're at the arena – then you've you got the live feed. You're, you're ahead of them.
1: Um, and, and that delay also, is no joke. So I used to work yeah. with, at PFF, i worked with the NBC broadcast team and we worked with Chris Collins within the booth. And we were given the live feed to the game. So it was as it was going. And then we'd have the TV broadcast angle playing. It's at least a 20-second delay. Like, you're To see the difference between the live feed you're getting provided from NBC to the TV broadcast version, 20 seconds. So if you are... If you are betting in between plays, you are
2: taking so much risk. And and honestly, now it's going to get worse because we all know that Amazon cut a deal with the NFL. And Mm -hmm. look, I mean, you could you could be honestly two minutes behind at this point. I mean, if you're streaming, it's I mean, you're really in trouble. You're really, really in trouble. So any other live betting tips? Oh, yeah. Um. You want to capitalize on pricing mistakes due to bad data. Um, This is like a big one. And um, look, I mentioned earlier how you want to keep all your sportsbook tabs up and look for the mistake. That's a good way to – like, look, there's always going to be a mistake. Like, I don't know how many times where – especially in football, where imagine the Rams are are playing the Bills week one. You might see a mistake where the Bills are – the bills are actually at their own forty-six. No, the, the bills are at the own t- twenty-six yard line, but the sports book feed actually has them at the Rams twenty-six. So think about how that would in- impact. Yes, price. yes. So the, and, the the
1: bills would be more likely to be favored to get a score, whereas honestly, the probability that is that's a lot lower if they're on the opposite twenty-six.
2: So that th- those mistakes happen all the time. Um. And I hate to be the guy who's telling you to capitalize on it. I but love look, that. I love that. <laughs> you 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 got to capitalize on it, especially while it's here, because you know at, at some point the live betting market is going to become more efficient, and that's going to go away. But while that's here, capitalize yeah. on. it. I mean, I I know I do. Um, mm-hmm. the next one is that you want to live vet injuries. Um, the left tackle goes out. That's a game changer. Um, they they might not be able to drive off the field. Um, look, I think we saw that. Um. I can't think of a game in which we saw that. But that I mean, those injuries, I mean, it could totally change the game. Um yeah. I, I think those those are the biggest ones. I mean, I think basketball yeah. has a little bit more. One one um, of my one of my
1: favorite live bets, because you brought up injuries, and that was something I was gonna bring up. Cause I don't think yeah. in the live game scenario, books are actively actively improperly affecting price when this player gets hurt. And in the national championship when Jameson Williams got hurt, I dropped a bankroll on in the Georgia Bulldogs. Like, a, like, a, like, it's yeah. like anything, everything I could, you know, everything I could on the Georgia Bulldogs because I think they were still four-point dogs at that point, and there was a little bit of a sweat when Stetson Bennett fumbled that football, but I felt so confident, and, and some of that's bias and some of that's like that football intuition, but I felt so confident that, the, that Bama was going to really struggle to score after that and that Georgia had an opportunity to come back, and I liked where the price was. And I think that if you are watching games I think that's the other rule of thumb too. Don't live bet games you're not watching. I think that maybe some people yeah. do. To make sure you're watching games and paying attention to those <laughs> things as well. But um, live betting can be a lot of fun as well. More inefficient market, more mistakes in sports books and all that stuff. All right, let's do parlays and then tracking your bets. I know I said parlays to the end, but I think tracking your mm. bets is a good way to close, right? After we talked about all mm. these different freaking bets you can make. Parlays. Yeah. What is your opinion of parlays? When are you betting parlays? And
2: when are you avoiding parlays? parlays? Look, when it comes to parlays, look, parlays are just, I mean, if you're seriously trying to bet, I wouldn't recommend parlays. But parlays are a good lottery ticket. It's good to have fun. I think the biggest thing is that you you really need to be looking at the math um, and just making an informed decision. Look, if you're doing a 14 parlay, 12 to 1, um, it looks great. 12 to 1 payout. That's fun. But the books have an 18.75% edge on those games. And that only assumes that those games are, are coin flips. Now, mm-hmm. if you're looking at a regular, just one game um, at 110 odds, that's a 4.7% edge to the house. So that's huge. And then when you look at the same game parlays, which are, I mean, amazingly fun um, and it allows you to, you kind of get more bang for your, you, you bang for your buck. Uh, I think one of the reasons why a lot of casuals don't want to play uh, a straight side is because you have to put up a lot of money just to get back a lot. But these parlays allow you to get, like, you can put $20 on something and, and win 20000 Um, mm-hmm. So who wouldn't want to do that? But I think when you're looking at the same-game parlays, bookmakers have a 28% hold on these same-game yeah. parlays. So you, you have to know going into these parlays that you're going to lose a lot more than you win. Um, and... It- it's kind of like a lottery ticket at the end of the day.
1: Yes. And like when you say lose more
2: than you win, that is
1: not intentionally like calling out books for offering parlays and they're bigger losers. Are you sick? It's no, it's like, hey, assume minus 110 aside. Coin flip essentially. You flip one coin, the odds of it landing on heads are what? 50%. Parlay is essentially saying, assuming all the bets that you make are minus 110 aside, you're like, hey, I'm gonna bet five dollars on flipping eight coins, say an eight-leg parlay, all landing on heads. It's like, guess what? That doesn't happen as often as you flipping one coin and it landing on heads. Like it's a lower probability, and that's why they lose more. It's not because it's not because like they're like you know like you know uh, stocking the deck or anything. It's not like they're like trying to get you with anything. It's like no, like this is a lower probability bet, and that's why they're paying you more, right? You're, you you'll make more money if you flip eight coins and they all land on heads, but it's just not going to happen as often. And if you are again, I talked about ways if you're getting intro into betting. Player props, non-traditional bets like first quarter, first half. Um, looking at um, you know some of the live betting stuff. I think there is some inefficiency in there. I would not say like if you're first getting into betting and you actually want to be good and you want to be like excited, like good consistently. I don't think parlays are the start. Now, if you're just looking to buzz with the boys, light it up on an eight-leg parlay, my guy. That's a lot of fun. Like putting five in and, and trying to win you know a thousand can be a lot of fun. I think that's that's probably the angle for parlay. Parlays are are for fun and and, um, low hit probabilities, whereas this other stuff, there's probably more opportunity. Last thing. And this one, I think, is a struggle because I still use Excel for this, which I probably shouldn't. I probably have an app or something like that. But how do you track your bets? How do you, you know, suggest others should track their bets? You know, how's that all go for
2: you? Okay, so I actually was using Excel for a while, too, and I still do to a certain extent. Um, I have my own private bets that, you know, I kind of just want to I kind of want to keep to myself, but as you know, I did come over from the action network and they have a very, very good app, which is like perfect for this. Um, Mm -hmm. Where it's just like you actually, I mean, they have all the bets up there. All you got to do is click it. Like, I mean, you literally click a button and like, so the bills are playing the Rams week one. I mean, they have the the in total for each. They have props. I mean, they have all the, the best and most efficient ways of tracking your bets. And, Look, you can even segment it so you can see. Okay, how do I do in each sport? How am I doing in NFL? How am I doing NBA? How am I doing college football? How am I doing sides? How am I doing on on props? How am I doing on totals? Um, how am I doing in terms of line movement? I mean, the action app has all of that now. You know, a lot of times I put out some plays and I put them in the action app, and you know, everybody can see them. So, um, mm-hmm. that's probably a good way of tracking your bets. But look, I mean, I when it comes to tracking your bets, it's very important because you yes. need to know where your strengths and weaknesses are. Like that's mm-hmm. that's the one thing that will make you a profitable better. Am I good at first half totals? Am I good at um, full game sides? Am I good at props? Um, you want to be able to know where your leak is. And once you find where your leak is, you can kind of eliminate that from your game. So that I, is I, such phenomenal advice. That is such phenomenal advice. Because
1: when you said, it's a non-starter when you're live betting to bet during commercials and stoppages. It's a non-starter if you're going to start betting actively to not track. You have to track your bets. Yeah. And if you don't, you're, especially if you start betting futures where you know you have futures money lying on, if you don't, you're not going to be able to identify weaknesses like you said. And you're also going to like, really lose track of you know amount spending. And there's a lot of these conversations we have on the gambling podcast and ads that are layered in talking about 1-800-GAMBLER and these things where making sure that you understand like, you know, the addictive qualities in gambling is another part of tracking your bets. seeing the handle that you're layering in and all that kind of stuff. I think it's important to rationalize. It's would say like budgeting money, bro. It's like, Hey, like hey, this is something yeah. I spent on a uh, coffee last month. Maybe I kind of reel it back a little bit or whatever it may be. So I do think that's super important, whether you are using Excel or the action network app, I think it's super important that you are tracking your bets and um, doing even just simple math in that. And like labeling them too, in terms of like what the columns look like in Excel, bet type, when did you bet it? I love putting that in. When did you bet it? Did you yeah. bet it on Sunday? Did you bet it on Monday? Did you bet it on Tuesday? No, I, I also track opening line versus closing line. What did I bet it at? What did it close at? So say I bet the Browns at minus three and they ended up getting down to minus one. It's like, oh, wow. I like the line moved in the opposite direction where I was leaning. I need to identify why my model or why my opinion is so, so much higher than where the market is on the Browns. There's just so much value in tracking your bets. I would 100% agree that you should do that. This has been a fun podcast, Raheem. Big shout out to Steve Cerruti for the suggestions Stefan Anderson producing as well. This has been a lot of fun. I think it's super important too that, I think we layered it in enough, but there is this line in the sand or essentially clear edges in having a lot of time to do this and modeling and having this mathematical background and having Excel backgrounds to be able to track your bets. But there's also a low barrier to entry in some of these inefficient markets. I think that was a, hopefully a big thing that people take yeah. away from this. And that like, hey, like you are just starting out. You don't have to do parlays initially and flip you know, flip the coin eight times. You can go into yeah. the player props market and start this line shopping process that maybe isn't as fun with your friends, right? It's not as fun to your friends, it's like, yeah, I got um uh, I'm trying to think of like a random player. Melvin Gordon over two and a half receptions at minus one ten when most books are offering at minus one fifty. Your friends are like, What the hell are you talking about? I just took the Bears yeah. plus 260. And it's like they're gonna be obviously talking about bets that they do more and they're obviously more public. You're gonna be winning more. I promise. I I, I think you'll be winning more if you are doing line shopping and you are doing some of these um Simple best practices I remember talking to or having conversations mm-hmm. with people that work in books uh, yeah you look at this recent masters he said, you know, if, if Tiger Woods won the masters, we probably would have lost more money in any single day in like the book history right because there 's so many people who bet like these public facing bets so, you no know, you know why people bet Tiger Woods It's because they love watching Tiger Woods, and that just screams yeah. opportunity and identifying other bets that people aren't pouring their money into and beating into efficiency. And sometimes it is, you know, uh, a Mark Andrews over two and a half receptions and those types of things. And then some of these games with kind of those lesser known players and not those obvious players. So a lot of fun, Raheem, again, big shout out to Steve Baruti, big shout out to Stefan Anderson, always a big shout out to my guy, Raheem, the green Palmer until next time, Austin Gale on the ringer gambling show.